Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, take down this pulpit again and so brother mark's going to come and share with us this is week four i believe if i'm not mistaken it seems like four weeks so you can stay home (laughs) then we'll have four weeks again all right well i hope you don't stay home but then we'll have another four weeks and he'll finish up the series so we're finishing up this portion of it this half and then of course we'll take a month off and then come April, he'll be back on Wednesday nights. Looking forward to that. Brother Mark. Jared, would you? My wife's in the room. <clears throat> All right. Um, is the clicker up here? Seth grabs that. All right, so I'm going to throw a little wrench in uh, tonight's service. And um, I know I said I wasn't going to give any quizzes, but I'm going to throw a pop quiz in there tonight, okay? Um, because I figured that uh, 
like Pastor said, if we don't test ourselves every once in a while, it's funny that he mentioned that tonight. Uh, if we don't test ourselves every once in a while, how do we know if we know the, the material or not? And um, we're having technical difficulties right now. <laughs> but uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and, and ask these questions, and um, we'll see. I'll give you 20 seconds to answer. I've got three questions, okay? That's it, three questions. Give you 20 seconds. Whoever raises their hand, if nobody raises their hand, I will pick somebody, okay? I will pick somebody. And uh, you can look at your notes if you want to. Hint, hint, take notes, okay? So um, if you have your notes with you, you're able to look at those. I'll be touching on week number two and week number three, okay? So here's the first question. You ready? You guys ready? Okay. First question. Name two problems. I just want two problems with the vortex theory of gravity, or also known as the evolutionary theory as to how our solar system came to be. It's called the vortex theory of gravity. Who can name two problems with it? Mrs. Butzel. Okay. All planets do not rotate the same way. Right. And angular momentum should have stayed strongest at the center. It should have stayed strongest on the outside. Because right now, yeah, right now the planets in the, in the middle or closer to the sun are traveling faster than the planets on the outside. But it should be faster on the outside. So close, but that was still. See, it's a chance to learn. It's a chance to learn. If you don't know, that's okay. This is our chance to learn here, okay? So that's, that's awesome, all right? Everybody get that? Okay. Question number two. There are two problems with the, the biblical perspective. Name them both. Go on right here. Right? Okay, anybody name the second one? Yes. This is uh, um, Wiser? Right. So, without an almighty creator and without an almighty purpose, the, the perspective from the Bible is all null and void. There has to be the creator and he has to have a purpose. Okay? Um, I haven't turned this on yet. Okay, there we go. Um, now, last question. Okay, last question. What are the two major problems with the evidence for Lucy? For Lucy the fossil, what are the two major problems? Go to the page. Well, for one, they have like, a few bones. Okay. And two, they, they said that the footprints of Lucy and the bones remain the same, but they're like 900 miles apart from each other. Right, right. Plus, the, the footprints for Lucy were dated at 3.66 million years old, and Lucy's dated at 3.2 million, million years old. All right, so good. You guys are listening. That's very good, okay? So I just wanted to make sure that um, I'm good. Okay, I'm good there. All right, so now tonight we're going to go back to space, okay? And we're going to talk about astronomy, okay? And uh, looking to the moon and to the stars and seeing do they show if there's an almighty creator or... Did we come from nothing? Was there a big bang? Okay. So hopefully this will be a blessing to you. Um, of course, as we always do, we're going to touch on the, on the evolutionary theory first, and then we'll touch on what the Bible says second and discuss the problems with each. Okay. Um, but first we'll start with, with the evolutionary theory. So in order to do this, we have to go back to 1687. All right. And in 1687, uh, Sir Isaac Newton wrote a famous book, if you study physics at all, called Philosophe Naturalis Principia Mathematica, 
or the natural philosophy of the principles of math mathematics, okay, in which a lot of that, he laid the foundations for calculus and things like that, okay. Like I said, he was a genius and a whiz. In that, in that book, um, he, he wrote down a, a theory saying that time is absolute. In other words, time has a beginning and an end. And, and time began w when our universe began, and time will end when our universe ends, okay? Now, he, he put that out in 1687. Now, a few years later, in 1915, another young man came along by the name of Albert Einstein, okay? And Albert Einstein produced what we know as, as the general theory of relativity, in which he showed that time is relative. In other words, um, and I know there's a lot of mathematics in here, and it's really, uh, it's really crazy. But in this theory, he showed that time is relative, okay? So in other words, uh, time started before the universe started, okay? And I'm going to show you at the end what the Bible says about this, which one is right, okay? So, so he says here that time started before the universe did. And we'll break this down. So, so the general theory of relativity states that's different, okay? So Sir Isaac Newton believed that time travels past us, okay? So let's say... This pad of paper represents time. And we as humans are on Earth. We cannot move through time. Time moves past us. And once a point in time moves past us, we can't go back in time, can we? Right? We can't. So that's what Sir Isaac Newton is, is trying to prove, that time is going past us, and once it's past us, it's gone. We can't take that back. However, uh, Einstein said, this is time. Time's on the ground, and we can move through time, Therefore, we can move backwards in time. We move through time. Time does not move through us. Does that make sense? You guys see the illustration with paper? I know it's hard, it's hard to imagine sometimes, okay? But with this paper, if that's time, we can move forward and backward in time, okay? Theoretically. Theoretically. So, in other words, if I go into outer space and I get in a spaceship, okay, and this is the Earth, and I travel the same direction that the Earth is traveling, the Earth is spinning, if I'm traveling at the speed of light, I can go forward in the future. Or if I travel the opposite way that the Earth is spinning, as long as I'm going at the speed of light, I can go backwards in time. Okay? That's what he tried to prove. Now, we'll never know because we can't travel at the speed of light. <laughs> but, once again, we'll see who is right. Okay? I'll, I'll show you th through the Bible uh, who was right here. Okay? So that was a theory. Um, if we travel through time faster, that does not uh, increase at the same rate. So if you are an astronaut and you go into outer space, okay, you actually come down younger than you would have been if you stayed on the Earth. Okay? That's just how space works. Space is weird. Okay? So time travels slower out there than it does on the Earth, okay? showing to many people that Einstein's theory was right that time does not travel through us, we travel through time, and therefore time started before the universe began. So if this pad of paper goes from wall to wall, showing time existed from the wall to the wall, well, let's say that the universe began right here. The universe did not have to ha begin at the, at the beginning of time. Okay? Time could have gone 15 billion years, and 15 billion years after time started, the universe began. And the universe will go for however long the universe goes, and it stops, and time will keep on going. Okay, does that make sense? You guys lost, or are you good? Okay. 
All right, so those are the two different theories that they show. And the majority of people today, the majority of scientists today, believe Albert Einstein, and he was correct in his theory of relativity. Okay. <clears throat> well, a few years later, in the 1920s, Einstein produced that theory in 1915. In the 1920s, a young man by the name of Edwin Hubble created the largest telescope that has ever been on the, on the face of the planet. Okay. And he put it on top of a mountain out in the Rocky Mountains. Okay. And in doing so, he could see time and space and stars and galaxies that they were never able to see before. Okay. And they were able to study these galaxies and these stars in such a way in which they were never able to do before. Okay? They were able to receive amazing pictures and amazing clarity. But they expected different things. When, when he first stuck his eye to that telescope, he expected to see something different than what he saw. Okay? He expected to see they knew about different galaxies and knew about different stars. But they expected every galaxy to kind of be floating around aimlessly, really have no, you know, uh, really no direction or no specific uh, velocity or speed. But what they noticed was that every single galaxy that is out there besides ours is traveling away from us. And the, and the farther away they are away from us, the faster they move. Now that's kind of interesting. I mean, why would, why would every other galaxy out there be traveling away from us and at an increasing rate? Why? Well, they were able to measure that rate and see how fast these, these galaxies are traveling. And therefore, by seeing how fast they can travel, they can then determine at what point in time all those galaxies were at one point, when all those galaxies were upon us. And that was about 15 billion years ago. Okay? At which point, what else could have happened except that the universe started? And, and what would have caused all those galaxies to suddenly be pushed away from each other? Well, nothing else than a Big Bang, right? So 15 billion years ago was about the time the Big Bang uh, occurred and created all the galaxies to... And now they're still speeding away from each other, and we don't know why they're increasing at a certain rate, but they are go going away from us, okay? And just by going back, you can measure, right, uh, uh, distance or rate equals distance over time. So the amount of the, how far I've traveled in a certain amount of time, that equals my speed. So therefore, by being able to know the speed and knowing the distance they travel, they can tell the time. And it took 15 billion years for the galaxies to go from all together as one to where they are today. Okay, So that's how they get the age of 15 billion years old as, as far as the galaxy or our universe goes. Okay, If anybody had any questions about that. <clears throat> So that's what they saw when, when Edwin Hubble first opened up that telescope. So they were able to see different types of stars and galaxies out there. All right. So we know there are three major types of galaxies. Okay. Um, there are uh, elliptical, which are these ones here, spiral, which is this one, and irregular. Okay. Elliptical, they're kind of like the shape of a pill. They're elongated but circular. Spiral is kind of as it sounds, and irregular is, once again, as it sounds. It's just a cloud-like form. And mostly, irregular galaxies are just, there are a lot of dust and a lot of gas. There's really no form to them whatsoever. But this is just an estimate, okay? This is just an estimate. They estimate that there are 10 billion, billion galaxies out there. That's just an estimate. 
So they're saying there's, there's most likely more than that out there. Okay? And in each galaxy, there's an estimated 10 billion billion stars in each galaxy. So you multiply those together, and you get 10 to the 24th amount of stars out there. Okay? That's just a rough estimate. <laughs> a rough estimate. There's no way they can count that much, but I don't know how they figure that out. <laughs> okay? And each one of those stars is different. So we know there are three different types of, of galaxies. Obviously, they vary in size and in matter and in types of stars. But um, those are the three different types of stars or galaxies that we have. So then we look at stars, okay? Each star is different. Now, we can, we can categorize stars, okay? And they have, okay? So this is, the, uh, the, this is how they categorize stars. If you look up here, uh, they have, um, there are seven different types of stars, okay? And I don't know why they gave them letters. I have no idea. But they're categorized as O, B, A, F, G, K, M. I have no idea who came up with that and why. <laughs> okay, but that's how they categorize stars. And then they, they color, you know, as far as color goes, whatever the surface temperature of that star is, the average mass of that star, the thickness of it, that's supposed to say thickness there, and the average brightness. Okay? And they're all compared to our sun. So our sun is a one. Our sun is a one as far as mass goes, a one as far as thickness goes, and a one as far as brightness goes. So all these, some of these, I mean, that's, that's a 1,400,000 times brighter than our sun, okay? That's, pr that's a pretty bright star. And then you have uh, stars that are way bigger, 30 times larger than our star, than our sun, and then you have, uh, um, you know, the mass and you have the surface temperature. That's a pretty hot star, 44,540 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a very hot star, okay? <laughs> very hot star. And the hotter the star is, the bluer it's going to be. Then it goes from blue to white, then white to orange, uh, or, yeah, white to orange, orange to red, and then red. Our star is uh, white to orange and orange to red, somewhere around there, okay? Uh, that's what the sun is, all right? So this is how they categorize stars. That's, if you ever wanted to know how they categorize stars, that's how they do it, okay? <clears throat> so that's, that's where our stars come from, okay? Now, um, Stephen Hawking kind of explains it as this. They have no idea what caused the explosion of the universe, but he states this. He says, it's kind of like a pot of boiling water. Okay? If you ever watch a pot of boiling water, before the water starts to boil, at the bottom you get little tiny bubbles. Okay? And before those bubbles ever get big enough to come to the top, some of them will expand and then collapse on themselves. And other ones will expand and collapse on themselves. And you have, you have hundreds of them at the bottom and the sides of the pot. Before it ever starts to boil, or one of them starts to let go and come up and pop, they will expand and, and collapse, expand and collapse. Well, he says, because we are here today, therefore the universe had to create us, so therefore it did. Boy, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's that's his, his, his explanation. And he says that, you know, it tried to multiple times before, you know, ex oh, expanded and then collapsed, and expanded and then collapsed, and all of a sudden it expanded, <laughs> big bang, okay? And then here we are today. So that's uh, the smartest man in the world. That's his explanation. <laughs> so now we turn to the origin of our moon, all right? How did our moon get to be where it is today, all right? <clears throat> so very early in the Earth's formation, if you were here in week number two, we talked about the vortex theory of gravity, and, and the Earth formed at about 4.8. 4.4 to 4.6 billion years ago. Around that same time, 4.5, that BYA stands for billion years ago, 4.5 billion years ago, 
a smaller protoplanet called Thea, who's about the same size as, as Earth now, um, called Thea collided with the Earth, and the remaining bits that flew off the Earth created the moon. Okay, so if you remember what I was talking about in week number two, at that point in time, the whole solar system kind of looked like the asteroid belt. There's a bunch of big rocks floating around, floating around the sun, they're real big, and they're colliding into each other. So at this point in time, the Earth and Thea, this other planet, they had gotten to be the two biggest rocks in our solar system, you know, in that area. And, well, they got into the same neighborhood, and they collided, okay? When that happened, at this point in time, the Earth's crust was, was already solid, okay? It was already hardened and cooled, and so was Thea's. Thea's crust was already hardened and cooled. It was not hot yet, or still. They collided, and when that happened, both their crusts kind of cracked and fell off and blew into outer space, okay? And, and scientists have run multiple uh, uh, computer models of this, of, of using all the different laws of physics and, and things like that as to what it would look like if two planets like that collided in space. And it would create a mass explosion. I mean, it would be huge, okay? But what would happen then is at the center of the Earth is, is solid iron, okay? You, using seismic waves, they're able to tell at the center of the Earth is, is solid iron. And, and the moon does not have an iron core. But when those two collided, that hard core fell off until the molten center of iron collided with the earth, and they became one. Okay? So the cores became one, the, the crust fell off into, the, into outer space, and that formed our moon. Okay? Does that make sense? Kind of? I mean, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. I understand that. Okay? But this is, this is the best theory they have out there. This is the best theory they have out there. And there's still multiple problems with this. Now, this would also explain, though, why the moon has exactly, exactly the same oxygen isotope composition as the Earth does. In other words, the, the crust of the moon has exactly the same amount of oxygen in it that our Earth does. Not the atmosphere, not the air, but the ground. The ground, okay? They have exactly the same. If you compare Earth with Mars, they're totally different. Totally different. The, whatever, when you find a rock on Mars and a rock on the Earth, they're almost exactly the same. Almost exactly the same. And they might be different by a few parts per million, which is very small. Very small. Okay? So that's what's crazy. That's how they came up with this, with this theory, because how else could two different rocks in outer space have the same composition. I mean, I mean, you, you can't explain that. I mean, we, have a, we have a very different composition than, than Mercury or Venus or Mars or any of the other asteroids. They're, they're very different. So how come the moon and the Earth have almost the same exact thing? Well, at one time they collided, and therefore they're very similar. That's the theory they created for this, okay? And that also accounts for why the moon's core no longer has any iron in it, <clears throat> Okay. So this is their theory of how the moon was created today. <laughs> it's very hard to believe. It's very hard to believe. It is. But this is what they've got. This is the best of what they've got. Okay? And they're still trying to figure out all the problems with it. Um, you know, there's still multiple problems in which sci scientists give their entire life's work to studying if this is true or not. Okay? And they're doing the best they can with what they've got. <laughs> <clears throat> so that's, that's how our, our stars and how the moon got to be here without a God, without a God, okay? 
now we turn to the Bible. Now we turn to the Bible and uh, we look at the, the biblical perspective. And the Bible has a lot, and I mean a lot, to say about the stars and about space. So if you have your Bible tonight, let's turn to the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis, chapter 1. <clears throat> Genesis, chapter 1, and verse number 14. Genesis 1.14 says this, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament. If you don't know what, what the firmament is, that is what we call space today. Okay, the firmament equals space. Let there be light, lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, which we know as the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, which we know as the moon. And he made the stars also. Boy, that's you know, an afterthought there. He made the stars also. <laughs> And there's 10 billion, 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 billion stars out there. And the Bible says, and he made the stars also. That's how easy it was. That's how easy it was for him to make the stars. <laughs> and, God, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Okay? So that's when God created the moon and the stars. Okay? Let's turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 35. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. Notice he just doesn't say the moon, but, but, but the ordinances of it. In other words, he knows the exact path that it travels. He knows the exact path that the stars travel. He knows how fast they're traveling. He knows how big they are. He created them that way. That's, that's what he did. He didn't just create the moon and set it there. He set it on a path. And he knows exactly how fast it's going, exactly where it's going. Let's turn to Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8 and verse number 1. Psalms 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says this. <clears throat> o Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou, hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the, thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast once again ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that, that thou visitest him? I mean, he, he set these on the path of the traveling, and these things are so ginormous, and yet he still visits us. Yet he still visits us. Let's turn to the book of Job. The book of Job has a ton to say about this. Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9 and, uh, and verse number 7. Job 9, 7 says this, Which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not, and sealeth up the stars, which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. Does anybody know, know what those three names are? What are those? They're constellations, right? The book of Job is, is known to be one of the oldest books chronologically to be written in the Bible. This was before Aristotle. This is before the Greeks. And, and some even say this was before the Babylonians. So who then gave the constellations their names? Not the Greeks. Not the Romans. God did. This is God speaking here. God gave the constellations their names. I mean, can you imagine that? God put the stars exactly where they needed to be so that we here 
millions of light years away could look up and see an archer standing in the sky. <laughs> that just amazes me. Amazes me. Let's turn to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38, he reinforces this. Job 38 and verse, uh, verse number 1 through 7. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. But where was he? He wasn't anywhere to be seen. Turn to uh, later in the chapter, verse number 31, Job 38, 31. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest that thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Once again, he, he reinforces it. God set all those on a path in which they need to travel, and nobody else can change that. Only God did that. Lastly, let's turn to Psalms 147. Psalms 147, and there's so many more in here, I had to pick and choose. Psalms 147, verse number 4, the Bible says this, He telleth the number of the stars. (laughs) We don't know how many there are, but He does. But He does. And listen to this, He calleth them all by their names. All by their names. We've got weird names for them, like C-12567HG15. But God has a specific name for every single star. And He knows exactly where they're at, and, and what they are, and what they are. That just amazes me. So I know we're running short on time, so we have to pick it up here. Let's turn to the problems with both, okay? The problems with both. The problems with the evolutionary theory as to where our stars and where the moon came from. So let's look, look at the moon first. If you look at the moon, and we can measure this, the moon is currently traveling away from the Earth at 3.82 centimeters per year, okay? We can measure this by lasers. We can tell every single year the moon gets almost 4 centimeters further away from the Earth, which means at some point in time, it's going to go floating off in space, and we're going to say bye-bye, and we won't have any more tides. <laughs> okay? But listen to this. If this distance, okay, traveled, has remained constant every year, in other words, if the moon has traveled four centimeters away from the Earth every single year since the beginning of time, then the Earth and the moon would have been in contact 1.55 billion years ago. That's half the time in which they say the moon was created. They said the, the moon was created at the same time Earth was, at 4.5 billion years ago. This is less than half, one and a half billion years ago. Okay? Now, now here's another problem with it. Outside the Earth is what we know as, it's called the Rocher limit, R-O-C-H-E. Okay? The Rocher limit is approximately 20,000 kilometers off the surface of the Earth. And anything that comes past that gets pulled in by, by the gravity of the Earth. And anything of any size or magnitude gets pulled apart because the gravity is too strong. So if the moon was ever underneath 20,000 kilometers from the Earth, it would explode because it can't withstand the, the gravity from the Earth. It can't, okay? So th- th- there's another thing there. Let's look at this. If the moon is 4.4 billion years old, we, we know what there's called moon dust on the moon, right? And that dust would be so much more thicker, okay? Now, I, don't, I, I can't calculate how thick that dust should have been. But 
when, when they f set up the first lunar module for Apollo, I forget the, what the first one was, Apollo 11, I think. <clears throat> when they sent that first one up, they, they made the legs extremely long because they expected the dust to be so thick it would swallow up the, the lunar module. But when they got out, Neil Armstrong stepped down, and there's about three centimeters of dust there. <laughs> now, if, if, a, if a moon is spinning around in space that long, it should have much more dust, but it didn't. Okay? Let's consider this as well. The sun would have been much hotter 4.4 billion years ago. Okay? We know that stars, they give off heat. That's why we're warm tonight, or cold maybe. But the sun gives off heat, okay? And when it gives off heat, it gives off through what's called convection. In other words, it just sends off the heat in space, and it never gets it back. So once it loses that heat, obviously if something loses heat, it gets cooler, right? So as, as long as the sun is giving off heat, it's getting cooler and cooler and cooler and cooler. And we can measure that rate at which stars cool. We can know how fast they cool. And the sun is cooling at a specific rate that if, if the earth was formed 4.4 billion years ago, the sun should have been so much bigger and so much hotter that our sun or our earth would have been swallowed up by the heat. It would not have survived. It would have been too hot. It would have been like, like Mercury now. Okay? So there's no way that our earth could have been created at 4.4 billion years ago, and we're not getting any closer to, to the sun. We're not moving closer to the sun every single year. We stay the same distance away from it. If we were to move any closer to the sun every year, we would burn up. Okay? So that's something to keep in mind. Now, as far as the stars go, I don't really have an answer there. <clears throat> because theoretically, if you measure the rate at which they're traveling away from us, yes, if they were all at the same point at some point in time, mathematically, that was 15 billion years ago. Unless God created everything as if it was already traveling. Like I said two weeks ago, God created, God created mankind halfway through his life. When he was 33 years old. He didn't create him from a baby on up. He created him when he was already a man. God created the trees already grown. They were already growing, producing fruit. They weren't saplings. They were trees. God created the chicken already laying the egg, not the egg hatching into a chicken. So he didn't create things from their beginning and then said, go. He created them already in the middle of their cycle of their, of their life. So if he created our, our galaxy where it is today, all the other galaxies were already moving away from it. They were all at the same point in time. That's just, that's just how, it, how it works. So let me show you this, because this is very interesting. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. When did time begin? When did time begin? Genesis chapter 1. Who was right? Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. How do you tell time? By a day, right? We measure time by days, by hours, minutes, and seconds. This is the first day, so time has just started. This is day one. Where, where are the galaxies? Where's the solar system? It's not created yet, is it? Just, just the earth and God <laughs> and light. That's all that was created at this point in time. There was no space. Uh, the, 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 the firmament was not created until day two. There was no sun, moon, and stars. It was not created until day four. 
So I'm not saying that Albert Einstein was right in his thinking in which time went beyond forever, but time started in day one. And, and the solar system and the stars were not created until day four. So therefore, technically, Albert Einstein was right. Okay, technically he was right, which also points out that God is right. Because, because God created time, he then is not bound by it. He is not bound by time because he created it. Okay, so all along, Albert Einstein was proving God right even though he didn't know it. <laughs> even though he didn't know it. Okay, I find, that, I find that amazing. Because he was trying to prove God wrong, he just proved God even more right. <laughs> he just proved God even more right. Okay. <clears throat> Let's turn back to, to the Bible. What are the two problems with that again? The same problems all along. That's what's great about creation. Because no matter which area of science you're studying, you're only going to have the same two problems. When you dig down to the root and the core of it, you're only ever going to have the two same problems. With evolution, every single area of, of science that you study, every single different area, whether it's anthropology or geology or chemistry or biology, they're all going to have their own separate problems. But no matter what you study with creation, your only failure is if there wasn't a God and if he didn't have an almighty purpose. You only ever have two problems, and that's it. That's it. Let's turn to Psalms, chapter 148. Psalms 148. And, and the Bible once again proves this. Psalms 148 and verse number... We'll start in verse number 2. Psalms 148, verse 2 says, Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. There you have the answer to both. There's the almighty creator, and there's the almighty purpose. They're there to praise him. They're there to praise him. Let's turn to Psalms 19.1. We all know this verse, right? We all know Psalms chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You have the creator and the reason why they were created. The Bible shows it time and time again. Time and time again. You have an almighty creator and you have an almighty purpose. Because God sets an almighty purpose. He sets an almighty purpose. <clears throat> Sir Isaac Newton said this. Sir Isaac Newton said this. This most beautiful system of the sun, planets and comets, could only proceed from the council and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. This being governs all things, not as a soul of the world, he's not Mother Earth, okay, but as Lord over all. And on account of his dominion, he is wont to be called Lord God Pantocrator, it's in the Latin, or universal ruler. In other words, because God created everything, he not only has the right but he has the responsibility to have dominion over his creation, to give his creation a purpose and for that creation to fulfill it. He not only has the right because he created it, just like if I were to grill a steak, I have the right to eat it, but I also have the responsibility to eat it. I, I mean, because he created it, he has the responsibility, and if he doesn't, he's at fault. He's at fault. If he does not continue the laws in which he created the earth, and for us to live under, then he's at fault. If God did not give us a way to communicate with him, 
If God never told us how to reach him, he's at fault because he never told us. <laughs> but listen, he did. He did. Because not only is for his, he responsible, but he takes dominion over his rights. And, and we are his rights. We are his people. We are his family. And that's what's so wonderful about our creator. That's what's so wonderful about him. Because he is, man, he hits the nail on the head every single time. Every single time. So that's what I have for you tonight, okay? Um, anybody have any questions about the presentation? About the presentation? Dean. Well, I wouldn't say we're exactly the center, okay, because we're moving as well, okay, um, but we're the closest thing to the center, okay, so they, we, I mean, we are, our galaxy is moving as well, every single galaxy moves, that's, that's what they do, but at one time we're all together, okay, now different galaxies are moving at different speeds, they're at different, you know, you know, they're not all the same distance from us, but at one point in time they were all upon us. So I guess you could say we are the center of the, but I mean, you know, it wasn't where we are right, right now. It was, you know, a long time ago. Okay. Mrs. Almond. Okay. That's okay. That's all right. Any other questions? Oh, boy. Uh, um, you have to talk to the guys who created the Farmer's Almanac for that one. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, just because that the, when, when the earth travels around the sun, it travels around it. <laughs> that's okay. The, at the rate it travels around it, that's just in order for it to be divided into, into even days. You know, even 24-hour days, whoever's, whoever's idea it was to create 24-hour days, in order for them to create an even 365 days or 364 days, you have to have that leap year to, to make up for the quarter days. Does that make any sense? Okay. Now, I will answer this as well. Some people, <clears throat> some people ask if stars and angels are one and the same. Okay. Now, I, I would leave that to pastor for that. Okay. Because I don't want to, I don't want to, push any doctrine, okay? But I will say this. There are two different types of sons of God that are mentioned in the Word of God, okay? Um, you know, when we read in, in, um, in the book of Job, um, you know, it said the sons of God shouted for joy when the morning started saying. Some people take that as the stars are sons of God. But let me say this as well. When were the stars created? <clears throat> the stars were created in day four, right? That's when God said, and he made the stars also. Were there angels before that, or were the angels created on day four as well? I, I, I don't know, and I'm going to leave that up to the pastor to decide, but I will say that's what the book of Genesis says, okay? So if you do have any questions, please ask him about that. <laughs> please ask him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Any other questions? Yes. Yes. Yep. 
That's the brightest star. Mm -hmm. Right. There's actually, it's actually made up of two stars. But the, the one right next to it is extremely dim. We can't see it. <coughs> so, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, the Mayas and Incas were, they were tribes down in South America and in yeah. Central America, and they were extremely intelligent people, extremely yeah. intelligent, and they watched the stars, and they knew the constellations, and some people say they even had a, a basic form of geometry and calculus. Mm -hmm. That's how smart these people were, okay? Um, but yeah, they, they were able to figure out the calendar, even though they had 2012 wrong, <laughs> but um, that, that's right. Okay, do you have time for one more? Yes. That's up to God to, to decide. <laughs> he asks, is there any chance of a star colliding with Earth in the future? As far as I can tell, no. <laughs> There's nothing headed towards us. <laughs> but, you know, God has the power to change things around. You know, at one point in time, the sun is going gonna, is gonna to die out. We're gonna, you know, the sun's going to die. The, the earth is going to go away. So God's going to change everything. But that's up to him to, to decide. Mm -hmm. All right, Pastor. Uh, the history of the earth is uh, outlined in this Bible, and also we have the history of the universe as well. And so we can, learn, we can learn not only the history, but the future as well. So God has a purpose for us. God has a purpose for the earth. He has a purpose for the universe. It's all explained and outlined in the word of God. However, we know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So how God chooses to uh, do away with, we know that the earth's going to be burned up, obviously. And then we'll have a new earth, a new heaven, and that'll be a wonderful place. But listen, we're serving a God that's real. We're serving a God that is, uh, I mean, in heaven today. He created all things, and you know, you know, we get we get in a classroom setting like this, and it's X's and O's, so to speak. But the reality is that it's a real God that we're serving. It's not just about what's on a screen, and it's not just about what's in a book. It's it's about legitimately a God who loves us and died for us and paid for our sin. And boy, tonight we come together to learn something about creation versus evolution. But really, what we're trying to learn about is Him, the Lord Jesus Christ and how good he is to us. Let's all stand. And maybe tonight, I don't know, I hope and trust that you know Christ is your Savior and Lord. I hope that you've settled that. Boy, I tell you what, so many times we're being taught today, whether it be in our schools or through the secular media, that there's no God and that, you know, atheism is really a valid or a, 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 a real choice, if you will. But that's not really the case. Like, like, the, the, like the speaker said, like Mark said, 